I enjoyed watching the Pro Bowl and found myself much more involved in the game than usual. I understand that this isn't the normal tempo of scheduled games, but I found it very interesting to see the formation of plays and just generally see the process after spending some time learning about it. Did you get to watch it? I was especially interested in the scoring of points and how that played out. After the touchdowns, there was an option to have a two-point conversion, and they didn't always go for the extra point goal kick. That makes sense as it's an extra point, but it was new to me, just the same. I had planned on doing a section of the show just about scoring, and it looks like it's a good thing to hold off on that until I can research some more about it. The most beautiful piece of play for me was the 51-yard throw by the Raiders quarterback Derek Carr to Colts wide receiver TJ Hilton for a touchdown that even though it wasn't allowed was extremely impressive. How about that throw by Derek Carr? He flipped that ball 55 yards on a dime. You can't throw the ball any better than that. A 51-yard touchdown. That's where you grab your young quarterback and you say, hey, that's one of the greatest throws in Pro Bowl history right there. Nice shot. Overall, I was impressed with the athleticism of all the players when I was expecting some of them to be big, burly blockers and not necessarily very agile, especially with such good vertical leap capacity. Next up will be to watch the Super Bowl on February the 8th. I expect that to be a lot more intense and serious. But before then, we need to know a bit more about the game. So join me on the journey and let's get started. So last episode, I clarified the aim of the game. Let's look at some of the fundamentals now. Games commence using a standard coin toss in which the winning team representative gets to pick starting offensive or defensive and which goal line they want to have. The actual time start of the game is known as kickoff, and this is also used within the game to refer to various plays involving the kicker, with an explanation of that role coming up shortly. Of the offensive team 11 players, one is known as the centre, and they become the snapper. A snap is when a player throws or passes the ball off the ground backwards through their legs to a player waiting to receive the ball. The throw or pass would depend on what the play is going to be, and if the QB, quarterback, needs some additional room to perhaps sight a receiver to throw the ball to. They may take the ball from a pass to then hand the ball off to a running player who then runs down the field with the ball as far as they can. As I understand it, lots of variations of that play can occur depending on the situation and the QB and or the receiver of the ball must really have good decision-making skills and be a really quick thinker to see the best option for the team. Of course, most of these are set plays and much of the steps are predetermined, otherwise how would the rest of the players know what is expected of them? But the opportunism of creating something out of nothing is really wicked, and I can see why the game can be a really exciting nail-biter at times. There is a clock, 
for now I'll call it the stop clock until I learn if there's a correct name for it, that counts down a period of 30 seconds between plays so that the teams can get back into formation or swap teams as required. This is one of the most unique things about this game is the stop-start nature of it. Other than when kicking for specific reasons, all plays appear to start with a snap. Thanks to Wikipedia and the internet in general for much of the following information about team members for the offensive teams and special teams. I'm only going to go for brief descriptions here. More complex descriptions will make more sense as we learn more. So members of the offensive team are the offensive line involving the centre, the offensive guard and the offensive tackle. The centre, as we've mentioned, is responsible for the snap to the quarterback and also to block defensive players. They may also be in charge of calling out some of the blocking assignments. Two offensive guards are situated on either side of the centre. Their function is to block on both running and passing plays. The offensive tackle are the next two players in the offensive line on either side of the offensive guards. They are required to block for both running and passing plays and can be required to specifically protect the quarterback. But maybe I'll let somebody else explain that a lot better than I can. Tony, here's your quarterback, all right? You protect his blind side. When you look at him, you think of me, how you have my back, how you have his. Okay? All right, Tony, go back. Next in the offensive team is the backs and receivers. So we have the quarterback. He leads the team and takes the snap. He would also relay any instructions from the coach. At the start of play, the quarterback can be lined up in any one of three positions. If he is positioned directly in contact with the centre and receives the ball via direct hand-to-hand -hand pass, he's said to be under centre. If he is lined up some distance behind the centre, he's said to be in the shotgun. The third position is that he can be somewhere in between. This is called a pistol formation. Upon receiving the snap, the quarterback has three basic options to advance the ball. He may run the ball himself. He may hand it to another eligible ball carrier to run with it. Or he may execute a throw to a player downfield. Next up is the running back. He receives a passed ball from the quarterback and runs with the ball in a play called a rushing play. The running back has a huge variation of starting positions and purposes. Anywhere from one to three running backs may be utilised in a play, or even none if the coach determines, called an empty backfield. Depending on where they line up and what role they have, Running backs come in several varieties. The tailback, formerly known as the halfback, is often a team's primary ball carrier on rushing plays. They may also catch passes, often acting as a check down or safety valve 
when all other receivers on a passed play are covered. The fullback is often larger and stronger than the tailback and acts primarily as a blocker. Though the fullback may also be used for catching passes or for rushing as a tailback does. Fullbacks often line up closer to the line of scrimmage than tailbacks do, so they may block for them. There can also be something called a wingback or slotback, and it is a term for a running player who lines up behind the line of scrimmage. The next player on the offensive team is the wide receiver. The wide receivers are pass-catching specialists. Their main job is to run pass routes and get open for a pass, although they are occasionally called on to block. The last position is a tight end, and we'll cover this one in the Lingo Recap. Looking at special teams now, and last episode I had no idea what a special team is, but here we go. Special teams are units that are on the field during kicking plays. While many players who appear on offensive or defensive squads also play similar roles on special teams, offensive linemen to block or defensive players to tackle, there are some specialists' roles which are unique to the kicking game. So we have players determined as kicking players on a special team. We have a place kicker, a punter and a kickoff specialist. The place kicker is responsible for kickoffs, field goals and extra points. They can also be the kickoff specialist or punter as well, depending though, because the techniques required are very different and if there is a lot of kicking, they need to avoid leg fatigue. The punter's role is, upon receiving the snap, drops the ball and kicks it from mid-air. The kickoff specialist is a rare position, but it is used exclusively during kickoff plays. Snapping. So whilst we have the snap and snapper in the offensive team, in a specials team you can have the long snapper. This is a specialised centre who snaps the ball directly to the holder or punter. This player is usually distinct from the regular centre as the ball often has to be snapped much further back on a kicking play. The holder holds the ball of the kicker and may have to catch it first if thrown from a snap. Returning position. So within the specials team, there is returning, and these are responsible for catching kicked balls, either off kickoffs or punts, and running the ball back. We have a punt returner, a kick returner, and a jammer for the offensive side. There is also the role of a jammer in the special offensive teams. They're ideally a blocking player who attempts to give punt returners more time to return the punts. Then there are tackling players, a gunner in the defensive special teams, who specialises in running down the field very quickly in an attempt to tackle the kick returner or punt returner. So a jammer and a gunner are opposing special team players. 
Then there is, in the tackling uh, roles for special teams, there is something called an up-back. I found this quite technical and thought that I would leave it until we know a little bit more about the requirements of an up-back. So I'll come back to this one and explain it more later. I'll be covering defensive team roles in the next episode. Okay, it's time for this week's Lingo Recap. To catch up on the lingo I introduced last episode that I mentioned we'd get the details of this episode. QB was the quarterback. RB was a running back. And we've spoken about these in the offensive team. Thirdly, there was the TE or tight end. And I found this position to be really interesting. So a tight end is part of the offensive team. A tight end needs to be flexible and multi-talented to be able to hold the role. They seem to do so many things and be required to be big enough to be a blocker, but athletic enough to be able to run and catch too. An offensive formation, the way that the team lines up, may have between zero to three tight ends at any one time but have a number of positions that they are and are not able to be in. Apparently, they are lawfully allowed to catch a forward passed ball. I wouldn't have thought that players would be prevented from catching the ball at all, but I guess that's the next thing, find out which other positions are not allowed to catch. I'm guessing blockers, kickers and maybe snappers. In college and high school football, this is in most US states, tight ends are restricted to particular jersey numbers being from 1 to 49 and from 80 to 99. In the NFL, numbering regulations state that tight ends must wear numbers 80 to 89 or when those are unavailable, 41 to 44. So other lingo that we learnt today was snap. A snap is when a player throws or passes the ball off the ground backwards through their legs to a player waiting to receive the ball, usually the quarterback. The WR, wide receiver, part of the offensive team that usually starts a play towards the outside of the field boundary and runs towards the opposition end zone with a view to catching the thrown ball. Some of the other acronyms we'll need to know are G for Offensive Guard and T for Offensive Tackle. Next lingo follow-ups will be sacking and what that means and what a turnover is, which I find really exciting to watch. Tweet me if you know what these are at This Journey Is and I'll cover them in the next episode. Okay, time for our mascot of the episode. Da-da-da-da! It was National Signing Day this week and the Texas Longhorns were really active in that. So let's have a look at their mascot. Bevo, a Texas Longhorn, has been a fixture at the University of Texas Games since 1966. The Longhorn mascot epitomises the pride and tradition of Texas football, according to their website. 
There are a number of interesting reasons why the mascot is called Bevo, from an opposing team's prank to the way that beef cattle are referred to in groups. I've put a link to the website information about the mascot in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. They have pictures of both a really cute furry mascot suit and of an actual longhorn animal. Bevo the 14th was mascot for 11 years before being retired after his bovine leukemia virus was diagnosed. When Bevo the 14th, whose given name was Sunrise Studley, died at the age of 13 on October the 16th, 2015, he had been part of back-to-back Rose Bowl wins, including Texas's 2005 BSC National Championship. At the start of his tenure, Texas won five straight bowls and ultimately amassed 107 victories during his time with the university. Thanks also to a Sports Illustrated page, whose link is in the show notes for that additional mascot information. So now a little bit of information about the beginner's journey that I'm on. Hopefully you'll notice a bit more of a relaxed me in this episode. I've tried to be a little less formal, although I know when reading out specific game information, I want to get it right. And because it's new to me, I'm sticking to the script somewhat. Uploading my first episode was great and I learnt a lot and enjoyed it. I initially put it on SoundCloud and then linked it to my webpage, but then investigated Stitcher and found it was a natural progression from where I was at and so put it on there too. I did have to learn about various settings on SoundCloud and would recommend reading the help section. Initially I could see my podcast through the app I use to listen, which is Podcast Republic, but couldn't see the episode. Turns out that there's a setting that I needed to update, and then bingo, there it was. I've downloaded iTunes to my PC and have that ready to go, although if I can I'm going to wait until I have three episodes to share there, as I've heard that this is likely to work out better from a promotion point of view. I'm a bit eager though, so we'll see. I'm already considering publishing this episode a week after the last one, when initially I said it was going to only going to be bi-weekly. I found using Audacity for the last edit really easy and user-friendly. I think it's fairly brilliant, actually. Goodbye for now from This Journey Is.